The following address was delivered at the 15th Annual National Jewish Retreat in Atlanta, Georgia, a project of the Rohr Jewish Learning Institute. We hope you enjoy it, and we encourage you to visit jretreats.com for information on upcoming retreats. And now, a keynote address, The Impossible Dream, The Audacity of Jewish Resilience by Rabbi Chase Taub. There's an old Jewish joke. A guy comes into a psychiatrist and he says, uh, Doctor, my brother is crazy. He thinks he's a rooster. So the uh, psychiatrist says, well, why don't you bring him here? The guy says, I can't. We need the eggs. So I told you, it's an old, it's an old Jewish joke. Jewish history Jewish continuity, the, the miracle of Jewish survival is sort of like this joke because the premise doesn't make sense. The premise is crazy. And yet, what do you want from us? We need the eggs. It, it may be crazy, but this is our reality. This is what works. They say that Louis XIV asked the philosopher, the mathematician, Blaise Pascal, Give me a philosophical proof of the existence of God. Pascal says to Louis XIV, he says, Your Majesty, the Jews. In other words, our existence is a miracle. It's inexplicable. It doesn't make sense. It's crazy. Ben-Gurion, the first prime minister of Israel, was not a religious man. Far from it. Very, very secular. You know what he said? He said, to be a realist in Israel, you have to believe in miracles. So our whole definition of what is normal and what is crazy is absolutely different from the rest of the world. And somehow, it works. We're here. They... Uh, you guys want to hear another old Jewish joke? At, at this point, I mean, you guys have been to retreats. You've heard all the old Jewish jokes. So, I mean, at this point, you know the one about the flood? I'll tell you the one about the flood. The, the, the scientists come out. You can say the punchline with me if you know. The scientists come out and they say there's going to be a flood. It's going to wipe out the whole world. And don't ask me. I thought God promised with the rainbow. With no, there's not. It's just a joke. Just don't get just a joke. Anyways, it's going to be a flood. It's going to wipe out the whole world. So all the leaders of world religions, they come out and they make a statement. The Dalai Lama comes out and he says that everybody should find enlightenment. And the Pope comes out and he says, everybody should get saved. And uh, the chief rabbi of Israel comes out and says, there's going to come a flood. The whole world's going to be covered in water. We've got to figure out how to live underwater. So that's all. Okay. The point of these jokes is they exist for a reason. Judaism, Jews, us, the people sit, seated next to you, the people in this room around you, it doesn't, just stop a second and think about it, it doesn't make sense that we're here. It doesn't make sense that through everything, there's an unbroken chain 
that puts us here at this moment in this place, in this setting, at the National Jewish Retreat. None of it makes sense. And yet, it's our reality. So I, I was searching for a word in the English language that conveys this attitude. And uh, at first I thought the word maybe is idealistic. But idealistic doesn't do it justice because idealistic could be, it's normal but it's like, you know, you're pushing it. You're kind of you're pushing it. You, 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 your expectations are a little bit, a little bit lofty. But that's not, that's not what the Jewish attitude is. It's beyond idealistic. So there's a, there's a word in the English language which means exceedingly, unrealistically idealistic. The word is quixotic. Q-U-I, I do it like the spelling bee, right? Quixotic, Q-U-I-X-O-T-I-C, quixotic. Did I get it? Judges? Yeah? Sign a scholar, did I, did I spell it right? Okay. So there's a word in the English language, quixotic, which means exceedingly unrealistically idealistic. You want to know something funny? That English word is Jewish. Of course it's Jewish. It has to be Jewish. Because the whole concept is Jewish. I remember I was once at the Chabad Telethon in L.A. in 1990. Yeah, okay. Applause for the Telethon. Is it applause for the Telethon or applause for L.A.? Or for both? Either way. 1997, I was backstage at the Telethon. And they had the singer, Ed Ames, was on. And Ed Ames came out and he sang the Broadway hit, the impossible dream from the man of La Mancha. To dream the impossible dream, to fight the unbeatable foe. It's just so beautiful, the paradoxes. To bear with unbearable sorrow. Like the poetry there. To bear with unbearable, it's unbearable, but to bear with unbearable sorrow. The whole thing. So it's from Man of La Mancha. Now, Man of La Mancha is a Broadway play which was entirely made by Jews. The one who wrote the lyrics, the one who wrote the music, the one who wrote the book, all three of them, Jews. But it goes back much farther than that. It's based on a classic work of Spanish medieval literature called Don Quixote, which, which was written by Miguel de Cervantes, who they call like the, the Spanish Shakespeare, the father of modern Spanish. So I come to find out that there's a prevailing literary theory that Cervantes was a hidden Jew. You know, in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. But in 1492, something else happened. There was the Spanish expulsion. And many Jews went into hiding. And there were many, many families of hidden Jews in Spain. There's a prevailing theory that Cervantes was from one of those families. And that Don Quixote was his attempt to tell a hidden Jewish story. Now, what's, what's the story of Don Quixote? Don Quixote is crazy. 
Or is he? He thinks he's fighting dragons. He thinks he's a knight in shining armor. He thinks he's the hero of his, of his story. But the whole world knows the truth. He's just a madman. Or perhaps, or perhaps, maybe Don Quixote is not the madman. Maybe he is tuned into the truth. Don Quixote in medieval Spanish would have actually been pronounced Don Quixote. It has a double meaning. Quixote in Aramaic means truth. Quixote is truth. But also, Don Quixote, because he is a fool. Quixote means he is a fool. So it means both the one who stands for kshot, for truth, and perhaps the reason he stands for truth so fervently is because ki shote, he is a fool, a holy madman. So the whole concept of Don Quixote with the impossible dream is really a Jewish story. And the fact that... It, that uh, 500 years later, they would revive it in Broadway and it would become, again, a Jewish story. It's not surprising at all. And now we have the English word quixotic, Q-U-I-X-O-T-I-C, which means impossibly, unrealistically idealistic. Or, in a word, Jewish. <laughs> Jewish. There was a Soviet refusenik, a professor, scientist, an expert in magnetohydrodynamics, Dr. Herman Braniver. And he got out of Russia in the 70s. And he moved, he made Aliyah, he moved to the Holy Land. Uh, whose grandfather? Who's that? Someone here? Saying that's your grandfather? Hmm? Right here? That's oh, your son-in-law. Your son-in-law's grandfather. Okay. Little Jewish geography going on. <laughs> the small world when you're Jewish. So you know this story. So Dr. Braniver, the Rebbe called Dr. Braniver in 1985. He wants to see him. So Dr. Braniver comes in the Echidus, that means a one-on-one -on -one meeting with the, with the Rebbe. 85, if you remember 85, you know the situation in the Soviet Union. You remember. The Rebbe tells Herman Brandover, it's 85, listen, you got to tell the government in Israel to get ready for the influx of Soviet Jews who are going to be flooding the Holy Land and you have to build housing for them. So go back and tell them to get ready. Dr. Brandover says, I went back and nobody believed me. They said, nobody's coming out. It's a trickle. They're barely letting anyone leave. An influx of immigrants is not happening. He said, I even told my contacts in the Soviet Union who were devoted followers of the Rebbe, who, who risked their lives carrying out the Rebbe's missions. So they certainly had faith in the Rebbe, and I told my contacts in the Soviet Union, the Rebbe said this, and they, and they said to me, you heard wrong. It's, it's, it's impossible. You heard wrong. The Rebbe didn't say it. It's not possible. 
So he said, I didn't do anything about it. He said, two years later, 1987, the Rebbe called me in again. And the Rebbe said, what's being done to prepare housing in Israel for all the Soviet Jews who are coming out? He said, I, I, I felt like a crazy person. I'm going around telling them I have this message. The Rebbe is telling me I have to prepare housing. And they're looking at me like I fell off the moon. Well, like Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story, what's the rest of the story? We all know exactly what happened. And there was this massive influx of immigration coming out of the former Soviet Union, coming into the, to the Holy Land. But that's not why I'm telling you this story. In 1992, Gorbachev visits Israel, and he goes to the Kotel, to the Western Wall. Now, this is after he's out of office. Branover comes over to him and says, Mr. Gorbachev, I want you to know something. My Rebbe told me in 1985 what you were going to do. You know, Gorbachev is the one who, who loosened the restrictions, perestroika and glasnost, and that's when everything opened up. So, uh, Brandifer tells Gorbachev, my Rebbe told me in 85 that this was going to happen. No one else knew. In fact, you can, you can look it up and Google it. The New York Times, when Gorbachev came to power, they wrote an article that according to all of their experts, Gorbachev is going to take things further to an extreme. He's going to take a hard-line position, and it's going to get even worse. So Branover's at the Kotel, and he tells Gorbachev, my Rebbe told me in 85 what was going to happen when no one else knew. No one else knew. And Gorbachev tells Branover, in 1985, tell the Lubavitcher Rebbe, I didn't know. I didn't know what I was going to do. <sighs> Miracles, statistical improbabilities, stuff that shouldn't work, it shouldn't happen in any realistic scenario. This is the reality for our people. This is the reality for our people. So we don't just believe in miracles. We rely on them. And anything you think is impossible, an impossible dream, okay. So it's an impossible dream. But what's more Jewish than pursuing and believing in an impossible dream? I mentioned Ben-Gurion earlier. Another thing he used to say is, if, if an expert tells you you're wrong, find another expert. So, <laughs> so what's your game plan? Oh, that'll never work. You know what? A lot of stuff that supposedly will never work is why we're here today. There's a letter that Rebbe wrote on his birthday, Yud Aleph Nissen, in 1956 to Yitzchok Ben Tzvi, who was the president of Israel at the time. And the Rebbe explains to Ben Tzvi, the Rebbe apologizes for not using Ben Tzvi's official state title, which is Nasi, which means president. There's Rosh Hamem Shalah, which is prime minister. This Nasi, 
which means president. So the Rebbe apologizes and says, I can't bring myself to use that word. It's actually a biblical word. And it has very specific connotations. And it refers actually to the ultimate leader of the Jewish people, to Melech HaMashiach, the king, the descendant of David, who will restore the monarchy and rebuild the temple and ingather the exiles. So this word has very specific meaning to me, and I can't just use it in a secular context. And then the Rebbe, in this letter, shares a very, very rare glimpse into his own psyche and his own personal life. The Rebbe is explaining why this word has very specific meaning to him and says, from the day that I was brought to Heder, to Hebrew school, as a, as a toddler, a vision of the ultimate redemption of our people began to take form in my mind. A redemption that would be so powerful that we would finally have an answer for all of the persecution, all of the oppression, all of the suffering of our people through the millennia. Where we would be able to turn to Hashem and in the words of the prophet say to Hashem, thank you for our tribulations, thank you for having chastised me. That every, every pain that we had gone through as a people and as individuals will finally be explained. That's the vision that I've been living with since I'm a small child. Do you understand? Do you understand how improbable it is? Do you know anything about the Lubavitcher Rebbe's childhood? About his life, his biography? The Rebbe grew up with pogroms. We know stories that he was comforting other little children. There, 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 there were Cossacks raiding the town. There were, there were pillaging. And the Rebbe, as a small child, had to comfort other children with candies to keep them quiet. They wouldn't be discovered. This is what, this, is what this, this child grew up with. And then there came the communists, and they exiled his father, and his father died in exile. And then the Nazis came. They murdered his brother. They murdered his, 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 his dear wife, the Rebbe's sister, and her husband. This is somebody who on a, on a personal level, on a personal level was touched by brutality, by violent anti-Semitism over and over and over again. Whose world, whose personal world we don't think of the Rebbe sometimes this way because we think of the leader, the global visionary. But think for a moment about someone who on a personal level had family members persecuted and oppressed and, and, and murdered and tortured. And nevertheless, what is this child carrying around with him? Not a picture of the reality that's going on around him, the brutality the violence, the hatred. No, this child, through it all, is carrying this vivid picture of a perfect world, of redemption. That's an impossible dream. Everything that the Rebbe experienced should have told him, at best, 
At best, maybe, maybe we'll survive. But to envision a perfected world? Chutzpah, the audacity. From his first public address, from the day that he officially accepted the role of Rebbe, the Rebbe said a discourse, Bossi Lagani, which is all about bringing God's presence back to this world. And one of the things the Rebbe spoke about in that discourse was Shtus Dikidusha. Shtus Dikidusha means holy insanity, being crazy for a good cause. Don Quixote, the nobleman who is a madman. And the Rebbe called upon every member of this generation to be a holy madman, a mashuganer for a cause, and to embrace a vision that is not only improbable, but According to all the experts, impossible, impossible, can't happen, won't happen. But I'll tell you, look around. <laughs> look around. You're at the National Jewish Re uh, Retreat. This, this was an impossibility. I mean, look at this. I remember 15 years ago when, when Heshi was going around saying he's going to make this retreat. That was kind of crazy. Right? Okay. Who's laughing now, right? The shliach of the Rebbe. Because that's what the Rebbe implanted in a generation. That the most Jewish thing there could possibly be, dream big. Go for broke. Go for it all. You look around the world and you say, well, this is happening, that's happening. Uh, that. Okay. Okay, no problem. It's all part of the process. It'll work itself out. Don't worry. Don't worry. And if we need a miracle, we'll get one of those too. And if you're going to tell me that nobody's coming out of the Soviet Union, and I'm telling you, you better start building, and you don't have an explanation for it, okay, get back to me in a few years and let me know if it was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. But that's what happened. So I'm telling you like this. Just like it was crazy, everything else that happened to our people, and we're still here, just like it was crazy what the Rebbe told Braniver in 85, just like it was crazy to envision the retreat. I promise you, I promise you one thing. Whatever your newspapers tell you, whatever your algorithms from your internet bubble are feeding you with, whatever information you think you know about the world around you, it's all well and good, okay? all well and good. But one thing's for sure. We know how this story ends. A perfected world. Peace, safety, prosperity for every single human being. And the knowledge of God covering the entire earth. Imagine that. Material prosperity and the knowledge of God covering the earth. It will be like the whole world become like the retreat. Pretty good, huh? If you think it's crazy, good. 
That's what we've always been about. That's what we've always been about. That's how we're here, and that's how we're getting to our destination. Okay, thank you. Please visit myjli.com to learn more about JLI's multiple educational offerings and toracafe.com to view highlights and lectures from past retreats.